Welcome to the heartbeat. We're still in quarantine, which means you probably still got emotions coming up for you that you've been running from. I know I have, and I do this work for a freaking living. <laughs> so we're always working through stuff. And you know what I've been working through for myself, just if I could be candid with you for a second, is really the belief that it could be easy. Because I've struggled a lot for most of my life, and I use that word quite literally, um, around finances and business. I just would give everything that I've got and hit burnout. And, you know, I'm a recovering workaholic. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you would know. And um, so I'm really finding that balance because now nobody's asking me to go out and do things. I have all the time in the world to work. So what do I do when I enjoy what I do? Work all the time. And so I'm really prioritizing my self-care. I'm really making sure that I'm not hitting burnout and I'm staying centered and yes, I enjoy what I do, but I'm also anchoring in the new belief that it gets to be easy. You know, I'm doing a lot of uh, trauma healing on my own end around this belief that I think that I have to like sacrifice myself in order to help people. Um, Because I was running that narrative for quite some time, especially in the fitness industry, which we actually talk about in today's episode. I'm really excited for this one because man, we hit on some really tough truths. Jesse is a TEDx speaker, a writer, a life coach, clinical sexologist. Um, She deals a lot with body image. And so we're going to be talking a lot about body image today, which is really dope. Also about like conscious relationships and navigating that in this new time as emotions come up. And we got I just love this conversation that we had because we just got so fucking real with people about like being enough and the ways and the masks in which we try to be enough and we strive to reach that perfection where we'll finally feel enough and it's ironic that you actually have to let go of what you're striving for to get that enough this but anyway i'm not going to be talking about the podcast right now i want you to listen to it so without further ado this is my conversation with jesse needland you're listening to the heartbeat so what's on your heart to talk about today oh wow that is a confronting first question yeah what's coming up on my heart to talk about today um Hmm. Well, I have been processing a lot lately being in quarantine across the country from a new partner. And Ooh. yeah, um mm-hmm. it's it's a very strange thing to have to navigate. Um I'm somebody who loves personal growth. I love any opportunity to you know learn and evolve and um mm-hmm. but but it's usually done on my terms. You know, I'm like, oh, this is the thing I'd like to grow towards. What a cool opportunity. <laughs> yeah. um, and this is very much not like, oh, I guess I'll just confront all of these demons about being, uh, you know, distant from someone and what that means, what that brings up. Um, we don't have, you know, it's so, so new. We don't have the um, stable history, you know, to be like, oh, this is how things are between us. It was like, this is brand new and it seemed really good. And now I guess we'll just figure it out over the phone. <laughs> and <laughs> that brings up a lot. Um, 
it's very frustrating at times because it's not on my terms because i'm like i didn't this isn't the growth i wanted <laughs> i didn't to ask do. for this one dang it <laughs> yeah. yeah uh so that's what's been on my heart a lot lately mm. so how, how have you been navigating that because i'm sure there's people listening that might be in a similar situation where it's oh yeah know, a lot of crying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, well, it depends on the day. That's the truth is like this whole pandemic is so day by day. Um, yeah. There are days that I'm like, what an amazing opportunity. I'm so grateful for this. Like, wow. You know, you would never mm -hmm. have faced this stuff if you were back in LA, which is where I live and where he lives. Um, mm -hmm. Because like, we would have just been having sex and uh, enjoying each other. And, you know, we wouldn't have had right. to like do all this work right now. <laughs> work through this stuff. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And then there are other days that I'm like, you know, just nothing compares to being in person with, with someone. Right. Um, and so there are some days that are just really hard and feel incredibly unfair. Like we're supposed mm. to be like going on dates and meeting each other's friends. And instead we're like, you know, fighting over a text, you know, like this is stupid and I don't like it. Mm, yeah. Um, so it depends on the day very much. I think that both of us are very committed to like working through whatever comes up, but the stuff that comes up, it feels like really out of control, like really random. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah I don't know well, exactly I feel how to like it. Could... Yeah. Well, I mean like if, when that stuff's, coming up it's it feel like especially if it's a long distance thing right that makes it different in and of itself but then also adding the pandemic to things uh yeah. where there's you know everybody's dealing with their shadow or there's lots of uncertainty and it's so new and we've never done this before mm -hmm. so nobody really knows how to navigate it you do have to take it like minute by minute second by second and just like right. being true to yourself and listening to your intuition i think that's really what's going to get get us through it yeah, I think I think what you said about like dealing with their shadow feels really accurate. Like mm. it's not my higher self fighting about a text. Like that's never the case. <laughs> yeah. You know, that my higher self when we get to that point and I can tap back into it is the one who's like mm -hmm. what an incredible opportunity we're building something so amazingly across the country like wow, you know, like that's yeah. the part that's that's the me that I know myself to be a lot of the time in my normal life and much less of the time in this particular pandemic. Um, because I find, I find that like dirty, grimy, um, shadowy stuff just coming up way more often mm -hmm. in this particular scenario. Yeah. I think it's, it's happening with a lot of people mm -hmm. right now yeah, because we sure. don't have the vices that we were going to, to avoid it or, or neglect it really like a busy schedule or like, you know, whatever vices people are using everything slowed down yeah. in their space and so it's like oh we, there's nothing to do but to face this really unless you you know people like whether it's like just drinking or whatever numbing right. to avoid it still but it takes courage to like dig into that stuff you know it's interesting because i'm actually working more than ever right now so i don't um it's a kind of strange situation to be not at all bored. Like, I mean, I'm bored in that I yeah. want like a new stimulus, you know, I miss new things happening every day and going places <laughs> and all that. But like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm in, I work from home. And um, mm. so I'm like in a house with my family where everybody else is essentially unemployed right now. Um, and working all the time, yeah. like actually busier <laughs> than normal. <laughs> um, and 
yeah so the the idea of like not having vices to turn to in the busy schedule i hear people say that a lot and i don't i don't connect to well, it i think in part, so, a lot like, of people like maybe not in our situation because i'm with i'm right there with you like i'm busier yeah. than i have been especially even last year like but i think a lot of people that did have a busy schedule or return to a busy schedule to avoid feeling a certain feeling or yeah. like you know just go like go out and like socialize to avoid like being with themselves and their feelings mm -hmm. uh that that was i think largely used by by a lot of the society and now you yeah. can't that's kind of what i was alluding to but yeah totally yeah but i do hear people say that a lot they're like wow what a powerful you know time to tune inward and i'm like i've been tuning inward for a long time like that <laughs> that's not, yeah. it's not the issue but i do feel like it's really brought up how like how much I rely on connection, um, certain kinds of connection, like with this mm -hmm. guy, like physical connection, physical intimacy, um, right. just to feel safe in the world is, it's really interesting to notice that because mm -hmm. I am incredibly independent. I am, you know, I did not want a relationship. I had no intention of being in one. Um, this was purely an accident. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I wasn't looking for one. I, I love being single. And so it's really interesting to notice that now mm -hmm. that there's, you know, there's somebody um, that, that that all the energy is sort of aimed toward, mm -hmm. that all of a sudden it's like, without that, I feel like I'll die. Whereas I could happily have spent months without touching anyone in a in that context and felt perfectly right. fine about it before. And so it's interesting just to notice, like, what is that? And there is a lot of shadow work to be done there. The fact mm -hmm. that, like, I rely on physical and sexual touch to make me feel like the relationship is safe um yeah is something that i didn't I, I wouldn't have had to realize before right that's a powerful realization and i mm -hmm. think too like even just looking at it though like there is a human side of us that needs it because you know failure yeah, to thrive is a thing and like it's yeah. it's a st it's still a need but yeah absolutely. i think when taken to extremes like that or even just looking at oh wow like you're just getting curious about you which is yeah you know really important well, I, know that I think I, it is I, failure to thrive also i think that's i have the adult <laughs> it could be that too. To thrive right now <laughs> yeah yeah i think sometimes like especially doing the inner work or if somebody's really wanting to work on themselves we just like almost think about it too much and it's like well no mm -hmm. you're just hungry or no you're just <laughs> lacking right, yeah. physical touch right like <laughs> yeah but yeah, in a situation so. where like, okay, you can't eat. So now what? Like, do you go right. and do the work of like, oh, I'm so dependent on food? Or do you just like complain about how hungry you are? I think that's what it's bringing up in terms of uh, touch. Yeah. Well, I know that you've mentioned um, that you've done a lot of the inner work before. Like what, what really had you conquered? I had somebody asked me this actually the other day in the DMs. I thought it was a beautiful way of putting it. They were like, uh, what? What earthquakes have you endured to be the mountain that you are today? Good heavens. Yeah, I was like, uh, that's poetic. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. Uh, well, plenty. I mean, I think a big part of my public story, you know, it's something that, that goes into the work that I do as a, a body image coach is mm -hmm. that I spent a very long time viewing my value to the world as more or less synonymous with my desirability to men. And, mm. you know, this came from childhood um, sexual abuse and a long string, a lifetime of, you know, sexual harassment and 
patriarchy messages about women and all these things sort of combined mm -hmm. together so that I I basically saw myself from the outside in, like I saw myself through the eyes of men, not through my own eyes. I saw myself as um, like, if I looked perfect and gave them exactly what they wanted, then I would be safe. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a huge undoing of a lifetime of that kind of messaging um, in my late twenties that I was like, shocked to realize like that there are people who just walk around feeling safe in their bodies. Um, it was it was an earth shattering realization. I took MDMA for the first time, and and I I didn't have anxiety for you know the time that I was on it. Oh yeah. Um, and I met people, and I just was like able to see how lovely everyone was, and not be afraid. And I literally the next day was like, oh my god, I didn't know that was possible. I have work to do. And mm. yeah, and then I mean I dove into it. Uh, therapy, coaching, self education, uh, self exploration. Mm -hmm. lots of lots of different ways but it, it was very much for me like I had to climb out of this old conditioning that says your body is for this and it's mm -hmm. not really yours and it's not really up to you <laughs> it's mostly just defined by uh, what other people think of it um, mm -hmm. and it's connected to your worth and it's connected to your safety and all that stuff so I mean very much like this all applies to body image, but it also applies to like how I saw myself kind of like my right. job in the world, my role, mm. my it's very existential and spiritual. And I realized like, oh my God, I'm not here to please other people. Like that's not, that can't be my job mm. and giving that up, you know, and finding my way to like, well, then what the hell am I here for? And, and finding a certain measure of like a higher purpose kind of feeling that mm -hmm. filled this other feeling of like my higher purpose is to like be pretty and thin. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, it changed everything. And what I made that, that shift? It was a lot of things all at the same time. Um, the MDMA was around the same time that I broke up with a partner who I loved so much. He was so wonderful. Um, but it just didn't feel you know, it was like, even my therapist told me not to break up with him. Everyone in my life was like, how mm. could you leave this wonderful person, you know? <laughs> um, and, and it's true. He's still one of my very dear friends. He is a wonderful person, but I, I just knew we weren't supposed to be partners, you know? Mm, and yeah. I think it was this massive feeling of like, once I did that, I did this scary thing that I was not sure at all was the right thing to do. Um, and on the other side of it, I realized like, I can trust my intuition. And in fact, I must always again forever trust my intuition mm. um because it was right and everyone else was wrong and i'm the only person who can be an expert on me and i think it, it was all around the same time i launched my business that it was all within a few months i launched my business i broke up with this guy i had the the experience of like having my first anxiety free couple of hours and it mm. just was like well shit <laughs> something is good. Like, like, it just everything started to shift and i dove into material that i would never have felt drawn to before i gave myself permission i, I had been very like i'm an atheist there's nothing bigger than this and even if i'm miserable <laughs> about it i'm right um and i think it, i gave myself permission to be wrong you know i was like honestly mm. that sucks that perspective makes me so unhappy that I give myself permission to be an idiot who chooses that there's something bigger. Even, even if I'm wrong, I feel way better about it. And I'm just going with that for now. So yeah, yeah. it was a huge worldview shift. Yeah. And things opened up and, and I love that you, 
even like allowed yourself, I think that was like a common theme, allowing yourself to be wrong. Yeah. In a way, uh, or, or the way that you've been doing things to be like shifted and changed of always looking for other people. I love what you said about like, you're the only one that can be an expert in you. Cause yeah. that's so true. What was it yeah. like to in that experience when like literally everybody was telling you not to like, what drove you to the point where you were like, you know what? Fucking I'm listening to my intuition. I don't remember. I don't remember what led to actually like making the decision to break up with him. But I think, I think that I grew up being taught to listen to my intuition. And so I had always had some little connection to this voice mm, and, yeah. and I just also wasn't in my body enough to really hear its impact. You know, I mean, I was, I had a huge injury for a long time during that relationship. Um, so I was just in chronic pain all the time, you know? Mm. Um, and this was another thing I had gotten body work, uh, like before this big shift happened, I was like getting out of pain for the first time too. And a lot of that was the realization, like my body is fighting to protect me. And I don't even know what it's protecting yeah. me from, you know, yeah. like it's so tense. My body worker would just be like, like stunned, you know, like we would do mm. an hour of work doing nothing just to calm me down enough to receive the next half hour of work, you know? And, yeah. and then he'd be, he'd be like, you know, you, he would point it out and I'd be like, but I'm not stressed or anything. Like I don't feel stressed. And he would mm -hmm. be like, okay, well then what do you think it could be? You know, he would ask me these <laughs> questions and I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I was so not in it. I was so not there uh -huh. to receive the information. And I think once I started realizing like my body's talking to me and it's saying something's really wrong. Um, mm. And I realized that that was not that far off from the little voice talking to me and saying, this is not right. You know, there was so much no happening in my body, in my heart, um, mm -hmm. that when I made this one decision, which was a really scary decision with the breakup, and I immediately felt like a yes, like my body was filled with a yes, I went, oh my God, what other no's can I change? Damn. You know, I think it was like, it really yeah. just gave me that feeling of, it doesn't have to be like that. You don't just have to live filled with no all the time. Mm -hmm. what what did it feel like for you the shift when it turned that no turned to a yes in your body what were oh the my signs God. like what? like a thousand pounds was lifted off my body off my heart like so light so warm um so you know high vibe i feel like that's a it's cliche yeah. but i felt very <laughs> high vibration um yeah. i would just like burst into tears like happy grateful tears for no reason i just felt really connected to myself again mm. um because i think i had been needing to ignore myself for so long to make the relationship work and mm. yeah it just it felt like like ease and joy returned almost instantly and i remember being like i felt guilty you know i'm like i'm going through a breakup i'm supposed to be sad but instead I just felt so free and, and alive. And I felt bad because he saw that, you know, and he was like yeah. this person who I loved and we worked together and he saw me explode into myself and realized like, wow, you know, that was being held back, not because of him at all, but like it, it mm. was a really strange situation, I think. And, right. um, yeah, but it was pretty undeniable. I mean, nobody in my life who had said you should make it work with this guy was able to say that afterwards. <laughs> wow yeah that's amazing and how all does that tie in because i know 
was that from there, like when you started diving into the body image stuff as well, or was that before? Well, I had been a personal trainer um, for, I don't know, six years or something at that point. And so I had already been doing a lot of noticing and talking to people about their bodies. Um, body image had already been a common theme, but it wasn't what I did. I was a personal trainer. We just happened to talk about body image because it's so relevant to the the whole right, thing. Right. Um, when I started my online business, I definitely made a lot more space to talk to people about their bodies and how they felt about their bodies instead of just doing like, here's your programming. Um, I started to basically get to have the kind of conversations I liked best anyway. And, mm -hmm. and I got my life coaching certification very shortly after. Um, so it definitely yeah. sent me down the path, I think, of realizing that personal training was even a little bit of a no for me. I loved it. And it, it was a, a very joyful career. Like it, it made me so happy to get to work with people in that capacity. I loved strength training. I loved working with women, but there was a no. And once I started listening to the yes and the no in my body and in my heart, I was like, oh, okay. So there's a pivot here that needs to happen. Moved into life coaching, blended them for a long time. But ultimately I think that it was the beginning of going, the part of this that I like best is the part that I want to focus on from now on. And that's how I got into body image coaching. That's awesome. So was it, it, was it more of a journey for yourself or were you, was this something that you were seeing in other people? Um, a like lot of it was in tandem. Yeah, it was both. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because as a trainer, so I'm, I was young, I was in my like, you know, early mid twenties or early twenties mm -hmm. when I began mid twenties when I became like successful as a trainer. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, sort of conventionally pretty. I'm thin. I was very lean at the time. So I had the kind of body that a lot of, uh, my female clients wanted mm -hmm. not like tall, I'm not like model tall or anything, but people would just be like, damn, like, how did you get your abs so flat? You know, or, Oh, I want, <laughs> I want my butt like that or whatever. And, and I loved that. I felt so successful mm -hmm. because we've been given this model of what success looks like for women. And it's to be as, you know, like perfect and hot as possible. And so I felt successful. And what was really, mm. really hard as I made this shift was to realize that I needed to un, I needed to give up the feeling of worth and success in order to do the deeper work of feeling worthy as a person. And so I like mm. stopped working out and stopped monitoring my diet like I had been doing and stopped doing all this stuff in an effort to control my appearance. I stopped painting my fingernails and toenails. I stopped wearing makeup. I shaved my head. Like I did a whole bunch of things just to challenge it at all these deep levels of me connecting who I am and what I'm worth to the world with how I look. Mm. So I did that after or like during and after the, the personal training time. And, and it was really hard because I would not have been able to do all that and try to like be this, you know, celebrity trainer in New York city or whatever, right. because they wouldn't have wanted that. They wanted someone who was like bubbly and fun and lean as hell. Yeah. And I was like, not that anymore for a while. <laughs> yeah, and I get it. I mean, I was in the fitness industry for seven years, so uh, oh, I went through the gambit. Yeah, mm. I went through the gambit myself. Uh, um, you know, physique competitions and all that stuff of looking yeah. great but feeling horrible on the inside and like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. It was yeah, an interesting thing that happened, and then you know, it became manic. Uh, you know, control over my nutrition and workouts to where. Oh, my yeah. adrenals were yeah. so fucking shot and it was at the, I got to a point where I literally just, one day I just said, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, yeah, what the, what the fuck? And, um, I just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna, 
go to the gym to feel good and eat to feel good. And when I shifted yeah. it to from to from like looking good to feeling good, ironically, I actually started mm. performing better and feeling better and yeah. in a few months looking different and better uh, I than I did that. before. It was crazy. So here's the the crazy thing for me is that the entire time I was training, I worked with a lot of really successful models and actresses. So mm-hmm. I worked with people whose goals were nearly exclusively aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, but they also happened to like me because I was really strong and they, you know, like I was badass. I could like teach them handstands. You know, I made it fun. I made them love it. I made them lift heavy and I made them fall in love with the process, like mm-hmm. made them feel tough and cool, you know? So that was sort of my, that was my niche. And, you know, if somebody wanted like three pound dumbbell Pilates, uh, workouts, like they, they would not have come to me. I made people deadlift. So, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I always spoke about what it felt like. I always spoke about, you mm-hmm. know, training for confidence. And by confidence, what I meant was like feeling like a badass, feeling strong, feeling yeah. like all these things. So I always had that language. And I think that made me a sort of body positive trainer in the big scheme of things. Although looking back, I'm also aware that it was all about changing body fat percentages and, you know, giving Mm -hmm. people a, you know, a juicy butt. But like the language I used always reflected, I think this, this knowing that I had, that I wanted it to be about how we feel in our bodies. The issue is that like fat phobia and, you know, like internalized beauty ideals, these things are so damn deep that even when you're not talking about them, you're talking about them. Yeah. So like by badass, I didn't mean like, you know, fat and strong. I meant super lean and strong, you know, mm-hmm. like I felt more badass when I was really lean. So it, it was, it was still all about control and aesthetics were undeniably a huge role in it. Even though I would always, I would always say like, focus on, on how you feel, focus on mm-hmm. feeling good, not on how you look. But this, the secret backward trick that you discovered is that you actually look better when you do that. So that was the thing I was always doing was like offering people this like back door into it. It's like, hey, focus on the process, fall in love with lifting weights. And then secretly you're going to look better anyway. And right. by better, I mean leaner because that's always the thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's funny looking back that I'm like, I never said I'm going to help you lose weight. I never said that to anybody ever. Right. But ultimately making them fall in love with the process and, and all the things that we did. You know, mm-hmm. that was, like, it was the intended goal and it worked. Yeah. And I think like also too intention for showing up because I was a group fitness instructor and, you know, huh. I was teaching like 26 classes a week and, uh, you know, I was going hard at it and I'd have so many people that, you know, I got connected with and, and the gyms that I taught at yeah. and you could really tell the people that were in it to look a certain way so that they could yeah. feel like they were enough versus the people that were just doing it. Cause it was fun. Right. Uh, and they, you know, had already loved themselves and they're just in it to like be better. Yeah. And I think intention's yeah. a really big thing too. Cause, uh, for the longest time, even like for myself as a guy, I was just like, I need to, I want to put on muscle so that I like can feel more like I'm enough or like strong yeah. enough or whatever. Right. It was more yeah. of like, I didn't want to be a pushover. So let me add some muscle. Versus like, cause I came from this not enough place. And, um, I think that like that, and I just want to touch on that. Like the intention means a lot too, I feel. It definitely does because I still lift weights. It, it looks Mm -hmm. different now, but I Mm -hmm. found my way back to it. Um, after taking a long time off it, there's a lot less, um, pressure, you know, like I used to follow Mm. programs. Like I never took a 
well, not never, but it's like, I, I really didn't take a lot of days off. I just, I did what the program said. I followed yeah. it and, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was like, I looked forward to my workouts. This was not punishment. I really enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. there was still a bit of like a, a frenzied pressure to like, keep it up. Cause it's like, well, if I skip today, then I'm going to have to make it up tomorrow. And you know, whatever uh, had a whole yeah. edge to it. It doesn't have any of that edge anymore. Like I haven't lifted all week and I'm perfectly fine. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes I get more into it. Sometimes I get less. There's no guilt. There's no pressure. There's no, there's no program either. It's just <laughs> like, um, it's one of many ways I can move that I like. And, and yeah, that intention means that I don't push myself to injury. It mm-hmm. means that if I feel like I want to rest, I do. Um, so it, yeah, it absolutely, when your worth is not linked to the outcome of your workouts, those workouts <laughs> feel really different. Yeah. I've definitely experienced that myself too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think most people do. And in fact, it's one of the, one of the really big, scary things that a lot of people will come to me with, um, the desire to not, not hate their bodies, not, you know, feel like identified by, uh, their bodies. They want to not obsess over food and fat and weight and whatever. And then mm-hmm. we talk it through and, and do some coaching and they'll, they'll have this realization that like, if they, love themselves, if they actually find body neutrality and, mm-hmm. and acceptance, won't they then like work out differently and eat differently? And the answer is <laughs> yeah, usually. And then they're yeah. like, well, shit, then I'm going to get that. And I don't want to do that. And it goes right into this thing. It's like, I'm not willing, like, I want to love myself, but I'm not willing to love myself if it means that I stop running every day or mm-hmm. whatever, even if I'm running every day, because I hate myself, I'd rather do that and stay thin than love myself and get fat. Like it is a huge, huge issue. One of the biggest, serious components. Yeah. It's like, how bad do you want it at the end of the day? And like you said earlier, you got to, you had to give up your idea or view of success in order to be Mm -hmm. successful internally. Which is such an interesting thing. This idea of how we define success in ourselves. Like I definitely struggled to lose the status of, you know, pretty, uh, thin hot girl. Like I struggled Mm -hmm. when I shaved my head. It was a struggle. When I stopped wearing makeup, I was so self-conscious. I, I like, it took me like two full years to stop sucking my stomach in every day, all day. And it was like a constant battle because I felt like every time I like relaxed and actually let my stomach just be a stomach, Instead of being like this, you know, super fat, flat, thin, whatever it is. Um, when every moment that I did that, I was aware that I was giving up status, that I had the option to be uh, closer to the ideal or further from the ideal. And just by relaxing, I was giving up this thing that people wanted, you know, a, like mm-hmm. flat stomach. And mm-hmm. we never see women just having regular stomachs either. Like nowhere do we just see like round, <laughs> comfortable bellies on women. So it was like each little bit of the journey of giving up status was terrifying. And I wouldn't, looking back, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, I think my gut knew that I had to do it that way. Not everybody does, but I, I did. And I was also just, it was a big experiment because of the work that I was doing too. I was like, let's just see what works. You know, let me try all of the things and see what lands. Right. That's awesome. You were just really going at it because you wanted to make that shift. Mm -hmm. You wanted it bad enough. Which is why you right. did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How much of the sucking your stomach in thing do you think had to do with your beliefs around like your role of what you're supposed to be doing and, and like views from men and everything? All of it. 
every mm. single bit. Of it. Um, also, <laughs> I will say that once I started learning about trauma and the way that trauma affects the body, I also learned mm -hmm. that some of it may have been a way to keep myself because when you suck your stomach in, you breathe way more shallowly. And yeah. it may have been a way of managing my feelings because if I didn't want to feel my feelings, breathing shallowly all day, every day is a really good way to make sure that that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so it wasn't until like, literally, I remember my body worker asking me to take a deep belly breath and I, I was, you know, kind of like flippant. I was like, Oh, I don't know how to do that. And he was like, okay, well, why don't we just try? And we did it a whole bunch of different positions, different like things trying to cue it. And, and at the end of it, like, I could not physically make my stomach relax. Like it had been so many years of so wow. much in there that I couldn't do it. It took me so long. And that was what like a clue. I was like, holy shit, no wonder, you know, I'm anxious all the time. No wonder like my, <laughs> my shoulders and neck are all bound up. You know, a lot of it was wanting the status and wanting to look like I'm, I felt like I was supposed to look, wanting to look more perfect. And a lot of it too, I think on an unconscious level was keeping me from feeling all the stuff that came out when I had to feel it, because it was a lot of stuff that came out when I learned to breathe, when I learned to feel like that was not easy. And there was a lot there. It was a lot of backlogged stuff around trauma, around, mm -hmm. you know, just there's a lot there. And I, I think the idea that sucking your stomach in helps control that is not, um, should not be overlooked when people are are facing that right no definitely yeah so as you were kind of like working on yourself and in the internal like how did you heal everything around societal conditioning and your beliefs about your role with men and stuff like that um i mean it was a lot of peeling back layers i think that each mm -hmm. thing that i did each fear that i faced essentially um peeled back one more layer and made me realize like, okay, well, if my value isn't in having long feminine hair, then where is it? Okay. Well, if my value mm. isn't in having like, you know, a perfect made up face, then where is it? Um, one of the scariest mm. things for me was going, I, I wore like, I would often wear like a push up bra under a sports bra so that my boobs were like super perky, super, you know, like protected <laughs> and like strapped down and all this stuff. So that was something I was, I started wearing like less padding and then no padding. And then I would like try and go braless and my entire body would respond as if I were being chased by a bear. The entire time I was out in the world mm. without a bra, I would feel terrified. And that terror is trauma. Like it has to be, there's no yeah. reason that my body would respond that way, except for the fact that it felt like I was, I was breaking a rule and I would get hurt. You know, like the, it was not, mm -hmm. con it was not conscious and logical, but like, it felt to me as though everybody would know, they would find out that I'm not perfect. And mm. I don't know, I wouldn't be safe, you know? So a lot of it mm. was like just peeling back those layers bit by bit and dealing with the discomfort of it, dealing with the fear that came up. And then mm. after I dealt with the physical fear of it, I would dive into what the beliefs were, you know, so it was a little bit of back and forth, like the physiological stuff, dealing with whatever came up there. And then looking at it and yeah. going, okay, why would I feel like my life was mm -hmm. unsafe just because I'm not perfect? And then I would do that mm -hmm. work, you know? So it was a lot of going back and forth, I think, between the like mental, emotional stuff and the, the somatic stuff. Right. It was also kind of like just telling yourself that you're safe over and over and over and over and over again. And even your body, I feel. 
reminding yourself of that, of like, that, that I'm sure that had a lot to do with the healing process, right? Whether it was deep breathing or yeah. other things. That's a good question. I don't know that I ever believed, well, I mean, I think, I think that's why I had to go back and forth is because like, mm -hmm. in some ways, as a person who has had my boundaries violated, I don't, I don't think I could believe that I was safe. Like me having mm -hmm. breasts does seem dangerous in a way. I think it was more mm -hmm. like I choose not to let that change things. I choose, like, I don't yeah. know that it's safe, to be honest, to be a mm -hmm. woman with breasts that people could see your nipples through a shirt. Like, I don't know. I certainly mm -hmm. don't think it's as unsafe as it felt in my body. But there is an element right. to that vulnerability of that feeling being maybe kind of valid. And I think letting myself acknowledge that, like, that's true and I'm not going to live my life in fear anymore. Like, those mm -hmm. two things felt. I think it would be a lie to say, like, you're safe. Nothing bad is going to happen to you for having a female body. Oh, totally. It's not, right? it's not yeah. true at all. But, like, but yeah, I think acceptance like you said, yeah. of the, wait, this is how I'm feeling and I'm not going to let it control me. Taking ownership too. Yeah, it was very, it was very like mm -hmm. rebellious. It felt like, fuck the patriarchy for saying that I, that, that my job, like I was really angry, you know, fuck every mm -hmm. little bit of this message that I got about how I'm supposed to look or where my value comes from, or that it has anything to do with men or desirability or sex, because because that's garbage. And I could see it was garbage in my clients and it would make me angry on their behalf. And once I started doing the work on my own behalf, it was like, I mean, I was like rageful. And I think that ragefulness would push me past the fear. Sometimes it was like, okay, mm -hmm. well maybe I'm not safe, but I'm not going to let them have this. Like they don't get mm -hmm. to make me wear these things anymore. You know, like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to let them have it. Mm -hmm. And I love that you know, like it, you, you basically raged yourself into doing the inner work. <laughs> yes, in some ways, absolutely. Because, like, yeah. like I said, I, I, I would love to have been a person who just went like, "Oh, you are safe. You are calm." Like that wasn't me at all. Um, right. I respect people who really respond to that, but like any mantra that I ever said just felt like I was lying to myself. Like it was a mm -hmm. lot more possible and profound for me to go, like. I'm terrified and I'm going to do it anyway because it's in alignment with my value system. It's going to make my work with the, you know, my calling in the world better. And no matter how uncomfortable or awful this is, I will learn something from it and it will be useful. So I'm diving in. It was like posting naked pictures of myself on the internet where I'm like, and cellulite or like, you know, whatever, whatever flaws. That was one of the beginning things that I started to do um, when all this happened. And, and it was terrifying. But it was also incredibly liberating because I was like, mm -hmm. it felt like a coming out, you know, like, hey, guys, mm -hmm. guess what? I'm a human, not a, <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. that, it, all the things I'd been trying to hide for so long were now the things I was highlighting in my photos and being like, look, <laughs> look at these yeah. vlogs. Right. And I, I'm sure like, you know, in the, the initial posting of that it was terrifying. But what was the response? Well, the, like how did you the feel from other people? Amazing! Everybody was like, holy shit, yeah. this is so powerful. It's so liberating. I feel like you've given me permission to like have my body. I mm. feel so much more accepting even just seeing this. If I hadn't gotten that response, I wouldn't have kept doing it. But like 
every time I did, that was the thing. This is how I like raged myself into it. My body image work was mm-hmm. in the higher service of the work I knew I was going to do in the world with other women. So mm-hmm. I just kept going. If everyone had been like, honestly, this makes me feel more insecure. Obviously, I would have stopped because they were so linked. But it was like every right. time I crossed this thing and I did something that terrified me, I would get this response from other women that it made them feel freer. And I was like, okay, that's my yes. Like, that's why I keep going. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was incredible. It like anybody who had a judgmental thought, like for the most part would keep it to themselves. I did have a lot of people over the years be like, when you made that transition, I just kept thinking like, why, why are you doing this? Like, don't, you know, you don't need to like point these things out. You're beautiful. It's fine. You know, <laughs> like there were a lot mm-hmm. of people who would tell me they didn't understand until they did. Like my whole brand shifted and, and I lost a lot of people and then some people would come back. And that was always really interesting. Um, because, you know, you watch someone who you see as like ideal fitness trainer person be like, Hey, like this is, I'm super bloated right now. Or like, Hey, look, this is, Mm. you know, whatever it 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 is. Shatters the image. Yeah. And they would just be like, why, why are you doing that when you don't have to? Like, (laughs) so I think it, it brought up a lot of interesting stuff, but for the most part, it was just constant positive feedback in the way that mattered to me that other people were feeling more free from it. Right. No, and I've definitely shared a lot vulnerably for myself and that's, that's been the response too. I just kind of wanted to, you know, like echo that for everybody listening. Like if this is something you're going through to recognize that you're not the only one going through it and that, you know, it's the world's not going to end when you accept or allow yourself to be human. Yeah. You actually get more support and feel more connected and you know, yeah. you're closer to actually what you want at the end of the day, which is just like to accept yourself and love yourself. Feeling more connected is a huge piece of it because when you mm-hmm. are pretending in any way, when you're being inauthentic in any way, even if people mm-hmm. say, wow, I feel so connected to you and you like really do seem to connect with them, it's a bit hollow because you know that yeah. this connection would be risked if they found out who you really were or what you really looked like <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so everything feels a bit, you know, uh, precarious. All these connections you make, all these friendships you have, you're like, if they found out for reals, who would be left? And so it's incredibly liberating to then be like, hey, here's the truth. Because I also was sharing a lot of vulnerable stuff uh, about myself as a person at the same time. Um, And to have every bit of those things be received more or less. um, Like I said, I lost tons of followers. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But like, I got huge feedback from people who were my people. And I didn't even know they were my people because they couldn't have known that I was their person, you know, and I would get these emails and these Mm -hmm. messages that were like, you know, telling me bits of their story that they've never told anybody before sharing, you know, being like, I didn't know I was allowed to feel that way or wow, nobody's ever put words to that, you know, that experience before. And I realized like, holy shit, I am deeply connected to these people in a way that none of my Mm -hmm. previous connections could even touch. And the the friendships that came into my life around the same time, like they were people who saw me and they didn't feel precarious. I don't think I could scare them away because I didn't mm-hmm. pretend to be anything up front, you know? So the connections that we crave that a lot of times the connections that we're trying to perform our way into getting, they just, they fail in the end because you, if you can't be your messy, you know, imperfect self in any connection, then the connection will never be be as nourishing as you want it to be. Right. Well, you won't be like free. You'll always be sucking in your stomach. Right. In exactly. some way, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that like our closest connections are, are people that we can just yeah. take a deep breath and relax around. Yeah. Th this is actually a huge thing with a lot of my female clients who are in a similar boat. I mean, I work with people in all different body shapes and sizes and, and issues, but um, for women who have succeeded at control, if you know what I mean, like they, you know, maybe they're mm -hmm. obsessed and they only think about food and fitness, but it, it more or less works and people look at them and go, oh, you look great. So for these women, there is often a huge feeling that I have to, especially when they're single, although even when they're partnered, it ends up having its own role. Um, they say like, I have to look this way in order for anyone to like me and to get anyone to pay attention to me. Um, and then, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of talk about like, well, okay, because if you sleep with someone the first time looking like this with your hair extensions and your eyelash extensions <laughs> and, you know, you're like, you haven't yeah. eaten in 24 hours because you knew you were going to see him tonight, <laughs> and like, okay, so you, that's the first time you have sex. And he says to you, damn, your body's so hot. You are now, mm -hmm. instead of feeling better about yourself and feeling like, oh, it's awesome. He's so attracted to me. You're now terrified because the next time you see right. him, you have to look just as good or you're going to quote unquote disappoint him. And then mm -hmm. it's like the idea that let's say this goes really well. You end up falling in love with this person down the line. You're always going to have it in your head that he wanted that person. And now you look like you. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. It sets it's, you up. It starts with a mask. Yeah. And it sets you up for a lifelong anxiety if this partnership works out. I know women in marriages who are like, I'll never forget the fact that, you know, when he met me, I was this weight and then I gained weight because I was happy and everything was good. And I just can't help but think he would have preferred me like that. Mm. And it's just a tricky thing to set yourself up meeting yeah. people in a mask and then trying to figure out how to be authentic from there. And it is so much better to meet them authentically and then go, oh, well, then there's nothing to hide. And I know you like me for me. And let's just do this thing. Right. It's completely different. Completely different. Mm -hmm. But terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that means that you have to show up yeah, without a mask, obviously. which <laughs> is a tall order. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and, you know, we can only meet others as deeply as we've met ourselves. So mm -hmm. the more authentic we can be with us, you know, the more space that has for the relationship to be authentic. Absolutely. And I'm curious, you can actually allow yourself, you know, to show up. But yeah, I'm curious as a guy, what masks mm -hmm. or inauthenticities do you go into a relationship with? Because I know I've just named a bunch of like, mm -hmm. sort of yeah, women coded ones with women. Yeah, I know for me, and I'm just speaking from my own experience here. Um, I know getting into it, it's been um, like one of my first relationships, it was like, I was always having fun. So there always, I always had to have fun. It always had to be fun. I always had to make her <laughs> laugh, it always uh, had yeah. a, which was, you know, good, but like that's in a way a mask because it's right, not sure. always, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I, I definitely know in, I had a, a kind of streak of relationships where it, I was very, this was the highlight of when I was in the fitness industry and everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was very much so like I had, I was always had a ton of energy I never could really relax and I always had my shit together and I was always doing the next thing. Yeah. And I was like, got my shit together. See, I doing all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so there was that of, you know, what, well, there, the shadow of that was like, well, I don't, I don't want to be lazy. Cause then what will she think of me? Or right. I don't want to relax cause she won't, she'll think I'm lazy and then right. she'll think I'm worthless. Right. right. And that was kind of the thing with that. Like I even, I'm a gamer and I even like sold my Xbox and got rid of all my stuff. 
just Ooh. so that I could uphold that mask. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Right. And it was like, not, not being myself, but upholding a mask. Yeah. God, right. it's so interesting um, to me, the gender differences, like men's worth mm-hmm. is supposed to come from their hustle, their success, their hustle, mm-hmm. their status as like, you know, financially and social status among, right. you know, business and that kind of thing. Like, that's a huge part of it. And right. that can be true for women, but it's definitely like more f- focused on uh, both, I think, appearance and like being uh pleasing you know being like nice and friendly and like not asking for too much like that's definitely Mm -hmm. where we're taught it comes from but i'm always fascinated to talk to men and hear about the masks that they feel pressure to like uphold yeah it's like um you know there's one two of of i remember a season where i was really struggling financially and i would always like pay for the date and and you know Mm -hmm. pay for things and help her out but i'd she didn't know how much money I was making. She didn't know it was in my bank account, but I'm like not even supporting myself. Oh my God. Uh, and trying to keep up a facade. Yeah. Right. Of like, yeah, we're like, I'm good. Like I'm here to support you. And like, it was, yeah, it was really messed up. Honestly, (laughs) but there's a lot of different masks. I mean, there's even, um, you know, a book from Lewis Howes, the masks of masculinity. It's really good. Good. All right. You and I can disagree about that. Oh shit. I I think the categories are, are, the categories are very true. That's fair. Yeah, I'll give you that. I, I think that that's what me, I mean by good. Yeah. To me, the book read so much like, uh, I think it's for people who are so in the beginning of this journey. And I, I that's have very true. to acknowledge yeah. that there's value in that because people who are deeper in the journey would just be tuned out by the man who needed that book. So I can acknowledge that I think it's really necessary that people speak to someone on stage one and go, hey, you have feelings. That's okay. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. 101 level thing is, I do acknowledge it's necessary, but it drove me crazy because it felt so incomplete and superficial. Um, but That's yeah, very I, true. I, 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 mean, I, I read it a few years ago. So yeah, I read it a few years ago when I was like just starting out with all this uh, stuff. So that, that does resonate with me now because the yeah. books that I read now are so much deeper. Right. They talk a lot about shame and healing and trauma work and all that stuff. Right. That and I if think. you're like, just never heard about any of this stuff and someone is like, I think you have like shame and trauma. They, he'd be like, fuck you. I'm fine. <laughs> you're like, no, I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I acknowledge there's a need for someone to be like, hey, maybe you have feelings and that doesn't take away from your, you know, your manhood. Like maybe that yeah. is one and we need that. Right, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, on the on the point though, there are tons of different ways that people can can mask it of, or show up inauthentically. Yeah. To you try know, to be enough. A huge one for me um, in in sort of pairing with the body stuff was being laid back and like never, never... Um, asking for anything basically like being as empty of a vessel as possible like as um completely needless as possible and and this is a really common one for women in general because we're supposed mm-hmm. to be the ones who take care of everybody else and you know to demand their time or anything would be like <gasps> totally unheard of you know hey i have these needs is mm-hmm. like that's not what men want. Men want us to be completely laid back and like, Oh, I, I don't need anything. I'll just take whatever scraps of attention you feel like giving me and I'll be grateful for it. Like there, there is a narrative around that. I mean, I'm sort of exaggerating, you know, but like also not, not really because I definitely 
I definitely felt like the ideal way of being was to have no needs at all. And that that would have made me the ideal partner mm. and that any needs that I had made me a difficult partner. And so I lived with this feeling that in order to convince someone to be with me, I had to like pretend I didn't have needs. So I was just constantly lying, basically, like not, you know, not thinking about it as lies. But if someone was like, you know, if I felt needy and I wanted attention or whatever, I felt like because I can't say that, I have to like get it some other way or you know, it was just, it was really complicated mm. detective work happening all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, and they, yeah. the whole thing of like, are you mad? And then the woman says no. Like a lot of that comes from feeling like we're not allowed to place the burden on our partner to deal with the fact that we have feelings. Because so often it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. And we're like, right, of course, we're not supposed to have feelings. So a, a huge mm. mask, I think, you know, for a lot of women is just trying to take up as little emotional space as possible. Um, while mm. you're hustling for your worth, trying to be like, you know, financially stable and uh, busy and happy and energetic, like we're <laughs> just trying not to like get in your way. And it's just this like facade and dance that I see so often right. in clients' relationships too. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge one. How are things different for you now? Kind of bringing it back to the beginning. Uh, showing up authentically um well i think it's different from the jump because i don't i don't yeah. do any of that stuff anymore like i look like myself every day so i don't have to look right. different um that's one thing and then also i don't pretend to be needless and in fact um <laughs> perhaps i've gone a little bit further <laughs> the other direction and i'm like listen <laughs> up if you want to date me i'm fucking difficult <laughs> like get ready yeah um, and I think part of the reason for that is like, I, I don't ever want to feel that way again, like that someone makes mm -hmm. the assumption about me that because I haven't expressed yeah. some kind of need yet or whatever that I won't and then have them be surprised and have those old demons come up. So I think, you know, in some ways, like being really upfront, like I'm a, I'm a big feeler, I feel a lot of things. And I go on a, an emotional roller coaster on a regular basis, my hormones are kind of whack. So like, sometimes I'm completely out of reality and out of my mind. And those are things that like, if you want to date me, that's what's up. So I think that there's mm -hmm. so much different of a setup now that I never really, I never feel yeah. those same things of like, uh Oh, I hope they don't find out XYZ. Because it's spoken about. Yeah. And anybody who yeah. isn't cool with that, like, it's a vetting system, too. I don't want that person as my totally. partner. Totally. Totally. And I think that that can scare some people because they're like, oh, but what if I miss? Because they're so, like, starved for attention or they want to just yeah. get in a relationship. But it's like, dude, you don't want to just get into a relationship. You want the right one. So yeah. you need a vet. Yeah. But, you know, it. the idea of the scarcity around that is, like, there won't be anybody who wants to deal with it. And that's not true. Um, right. It's just that you will find yourself in relationships with people who want a partner who is doing the facade you're doing, if you're doing one. Yeah, and those are often true. not the right partner for someone who has a whole secret stash of emotions and needs, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, different people are drawn to it when you're like, hey, I have a lot of feelings. I do a lot of this work. I'm interested in growth. I'm interested in communication. You're going to turn off. Oh, yeah. And that's going to scare people off. With, that's, which is awesome. That's not, yeah. That's, it's, a, it's a repellent to people that haven't yeah. done that work. They're like, they're oh, like, shit, I got to talk about my feelings. Yeah. Nope. And it's like, cool, maybe disappointing, but like, great. You got out of, you didn't start a relationship. And then six years down the road, right. like, 
have a massive heartbreak. Like yeah. you, you vetted it early. <laughs> and then those people who, you know, are down with that, they can really surprise you because maybe mm-hmm. you weren't going to find out that yeah. they were awesome and like interested in communication and emotions. Um, until you started to speak about it. Cause maybe they have their own stuff and they were mm-hmm. taught, especially if that person happens to be a guy, like he was never taught to talk mm-hmm. about this. And so when I, I find, when I talk about this stuff, people will either rise to it and show me, you know, that they they're down and I get to be like pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised. Um, or they'll, they'll be vetted out and it'll be like a complete blank stare. And, and I can kind of go, all right, here's another for me. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you're just, and that's the thing too. I think uh, since we're talking so much about self-worth, like you're just seeing it as not compatible. You're not putting it on yourself of like, right. Oh, I got to lower myself and put that mask back on to yeah, be accepted. Exactly. Like, yeah, you're just seeing it. Okay. We're not compatible, yeah, which not is a, match. a huge thing. I think that uh, people need to realize yeah. <laughs> sometimes with relationships. Yeah. I'll sometimes say like, there are so many people on the world in the world. Like there's oh, yeah. so many of them. The odds that none of them are your kind of people just statistically doesn't make sense. But maybe mm-hmm. it's a small number and you just have to like make room for those people by not filling your life with people who are the wrong kind of person, the wrong match for you. Right. Yeah. That's true. I mean, and I know for me, like as I started diving in doing the inner work, my friends group changed drastically. Mm, mine too. And there was definitely a season where it was like, I felt like I had no friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and I think that's also part of it. I think so too. I think it so can inward. be really lonely for a while. It can feel very isolating when you realize like, oh my God, mm-hmm. my life is filled with people who only care about this superficial version of me and aren't, you know, they don't have a lot deeper to go and shit. Mm-hmm. And then you make that space and you're like, oh, well now I have nobody. And I really hope this is the right decision. <laughs> I see this in clients all the time. They go through a really isolating phase and it's like, Mm-hmm. really scary kind of leap of faith to just get rid of the connections um, and make that room. But I, it always yeah. pays off. I mean, yeah, those True. people come. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of community, where can people find out more about you and get a part of your community? Um, well, you can go to my website, jessineeland.com. You can come to Instagram, Jesse Neeland, and Facebook is Jesse Neeland. And uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for this conversation. I mean, I'm sure we could have kept talking for hours, but Absolutely. this was amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. For everybody tuning in, go follow her, check out her stuff. As you can tell, she's an amazing human. <laughs> and I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. For everybody tuning in, be sure give the podcast a follow and as always put some heart into everything that you do today.